680 with Mr. Aaron Williams. Not Mr. Excuse me. Where are my manners? Dr. Aaron Williams. That's it. It's the end of the podcast. Friendship over. (laughs) Dr. Aaron Williams. Mr. Tommy. Dr. Aaron Williams. Back on here for a second time. For all the new listeners who have been so rude to as not listened to our last podcast, please introduce yourself. Tell them who you are, a little about yourself, and then we'll jump into it. Very good. Thanks for having me back on, Tommy. I appreciate it. And uh, luckily, I'm not that prickly. Um, you know, ego and all that stuff, we need to cast that aside. So Beautiful. no big thing. But uh, yeah, so uh, I'm an anesthesiologist. I've been practicing for about 16 years, um, medicine and anesthesia, and first in academics and won a teaching award during a short time. I trained at Emory originally, you know, parked right next door to the CDC for some time. Never realized I'd have to question them, but, you know, so we all learn. And uh, then after that, I went to private practice for 10 years, working in various administrative roles, winning some leadership awards and what have you. And, um, you know, was doing some of that through the COVID um, pandemic, you know, in 20, all the way till spring of uh, 21. And so during that time, basically kind of realized what was going on and couldn't deny it any longer and, and began to look into these things and, and have since been trying to, to help out spread truth with the help of uh, people like you, uh, get truth out to the masses that, you know, there's not a consensus amongst the doctors. In fact, there's many that are saying the opposite. They're just too scared to say it because they know that their license is in jeopardy immediately. So that, that's it in a nutshell. Uh yeah, I mean, talking about not there not being a consensus and sort of uh, making examples out of doctors. I, I've had on several times before Dr. Merrill Nass, who was, I think, last Sunday. Today's Tuesday, January 25th, 2022. Last Sunday, she actually, she practices in the state of Maine. Her license was re- or suspended for 30 days for was four charges. Number one, prescribing ivermectin. Number two, prescribing hydroxychloroquine. And then two count them two charges of spreading harmful misinformation. And there's a physician of, I mean, she's been an internist for like 31 years or something. And she said it best. She was like, it's about making an example. You want your paycheck. You want your reputation, your status as a doctor, that thing you worked for for so long. Don't step out of line. Do you think that we are starting to see a tide turn, and I've said that on this podcast a trillion times over the last two years, so I'm sure it's falling on deaf ears now. But I mean, just two days ago, you know, McCullough, Malone, all of RFK Jr. in Washington, D.C., uh, the U.K., Boris Johnson dropping all mandates, I believe the Czech Republic dropping mandates, and with OSHA, or that kind of win where it's, you know, OSHA can only do for healthcare workers as well as defense contractors. Do you think we're starting to see a tide turn to where it's one of my favorite quotes costs nothing to be the second patriot and that's fine. You know what? It, there's not about, well, I was the first. No, as long as people eventually get on board and run with it, who cares who was first? It was McCullough alone for the record, but who cares who was first? Do you think we're reaching that point that sort of that tipping over point? Well, I think that uh, as far as falling on deaf ears, I think that, this has been progressing the whole time. So I think you've probably continuously been right. Now, I think the pace has probably quickened. And, you know, and that's a good thing. I think there's a lot of cracks in the illusion. And going back to what you said about Dr. Nass, they need to make examples out of people because they know they can't really take out all the doctors. But if each and every doctor feels like it's going to be them who's taken out, if they speak up, then you keep everyone down. Because the only way to keep all of us down is that we do it ourselves. 
through that illusion. Um, and hopefully, you know, uh, God willing, you know, she'll be able to get through that fight, win those battles uh, on the nonsense and and keep moving forward and, and helping and healing and saving patients' lives like she's been doing. Um, I think on the in the bigger picture, yeah, absolutely. You know, more by the day seem to be waking up and the illusion seems to be cracking. I think really with Omicron, which, you know, seems to have supposedly a lot of mutations, a lot more than, you know, the others that have varied uh, for whatever the reason. And with it basically breaking through everyone's immunity. So, you know, the natural immunity, which had been pretty, what had been really resilient to that point, um, and also the people who have had their shots and or boosters. And I think with that, you know, you had the people who had heard some of their friends or family, or maybe they had actually heard some of these, you know, trailblazers like Dr. Malone, Dr. McCullough and company. Um, they had heard them and thought, well, maybe there's something to it, but I'm going to get my shot and I'm pretty sure this is just going to go away. Um, now that they have gotten sick and they're like, I'm as sick as my neighbors who never took the shots. And what is this early treatment? Oh, and now I found somebody to get me some. I think there's a lot more people that are malleable and that are actually now starting to be more curious, be more open to speaking. And I can tell you, I've seen that in the medical community and, you know, in the, in the microcosm around me. And I can also see it. I've seen it in the bigger, you know, we had a group of, you know, over 70 doctors recently together and um, all in one place. And, you know, you have physicians of every stripe in there. Again, illusion to think that there's a consensus. So you have everything from, you know, anesthesiologists, OBGYNs, pediatricians, ICU doctors, intensivists, we call them, um, orthopedic surgeons, ENT surgeons, neurosurgeons, cardiothoracic surgeons, trauma surgeons, neurologists, urologists, nephrologists, you name it, oncologists, all of them. And they're all kind of getting together. And I think the more that we're getting together and the more the illusion starts to crack, um, we're making a lot more progress. And I think as we get organized even better, which is hard to do with the censorship, right? Uh, we've had 20,000 groups on Facebook within the first week that they put mandates in my area and we started to band together. This was last August. They nixed it within two or three days. They, they basically had all the four admins that would post and coordinate. They banned or suspended them for 30 days. Recently, we had a group of 50,000 that were about medical freedom got completely nixed. <clears throat> so it has been hard, but we're making good progress and it always feeds upon itself. So, you know, they say that courage is contagious. It's really true. You know, it takes that for all of us to see something, you know, and to be able to actually step out there and say, you know what, if they take my license, they take my license. We've got to do the right thing. And, and there's more of them by the day, which makes it easier for that second patriot, that 80th Patriot, whatever it is. So yeah, I think we are making progress. I think you're absolutely right. There's that, uh, but and then there's also that sort of like, you know, censorships. Obviously, it's a it's it's a real pain. But like evolutionary selective pressures, pressures, it drives you to sort of become more virulent. Like I was just on YouTube, and then they nuked me. Now I'm on Rumble, BitChute, Odyssey. I'm uploading in different formats and some have different length requirements. Some you can only upload this many gigabytes. You have different descriptions. I was on, I was just on YouTube and I think I would just like text the link to people. Now it's on Facebook, Instagram, Parler, Getter, Gab, whatever the hell all these things are. Through no choice of my own, just 
this was shut and I was like, well, it's going to get out. And so it drives out. So in a way, it's sort of good because it's become more resilient um, for future occasions where if they want to start censoring, we've kind of had like a dry run now. It's like, all right, everybody just disperse. But it's also it does serve that sort of like red pilling moment, right, where you can have all these different doctors together. And I always say this to people that are listening, and obviously I'm biased because it's my podcast and I want it to grow, but I'm always like, share the link. And they're like, what's going to happen? I'm just going to get suspended or my friends are going to get angry at me. I'm like, if you get suspended, you are now red pilling everyone who used to see you online. Like, why why'd Bob get suspended? What do you do? Is he posting nudes or something or some racial slur? No, there's a, it a link to a podcast of some loser named Tommy. Why did he get banned? And then... Well, some people don't get banned. They just go, dude, I just get, you know, all my friends start jumping on there and commenting, you know, just you're spreading misinformation. I'm like, sure, you might have four or five friends that unfortunately there's some friction with now. There's now 100 people who are just silently observing, which is what most of us do online. We just kind of creep. They're now all seeing it and they're going, man, the horde is attacking it. You don't speak out. No action goes. There is an equal and opposite reaction somewhere. And I think both those things, censorship sort of making it, I mean, who, who I'd never even heard of Getter until Dr. Malone got banned from Twitter. And now I'm on there and I have more followers there than on, on Twitter. So that's one thing. But the other thing is more and more people are going, wait, why'd you get banned? Like, why'd you get banned? Like, Tom, you're a hardhead, but you got banned for what? I'm like, a doctor was telling everyone to get vitamins. And it's like, well, hold on. So there is that and it is pushing more and more and then eventually you know we always kind of poke holes and say like the vast majority of people are kind of like npcs right you're not really paying attention just well i'm gonna do this just kind of the sheep there's a double-edged sword of that if the vast majority of people only follow where the herd is going you don't need a win over a hundred percent of people you just got to get a little bit more than what the prior herd was, which seems like it's everyone. But when you have control over the media, you can make it. Well, it's everybody. Man, if you just win like 5% of people start moving in that direction, you can now take the quote unquote sheep. It's, so it's not really about, oh, we only have 5% of people. We got to get the other 95. No, it's like 10% of like the establishment versus like 5% of. So it's actually 10 to 5. It's not. It's not 100 to 5. It's it's 10 to 5. We're a lot closer in catching up. Um, but because that's all sort of like feel-good stuff, patting each other on the back, I kind of want to go in a complete 180 to you and I kind of danced around it last episode and more so me because I always have to like not go full-blown conspiracy on people because I scare them away. That being said, what what is all of was it really a pangolin and a bat? Was it intentional? And was the intention a money grab, just like whatever, a new iPhone charger? Or was this really supposed to be a massive change in which the way the global human civilization is organized, a la Great Reset, digital passports, controlling movement of people, top-down censorship? What do you think? And obviously I speak for myself, not for mm -hmm. Dr. Williams. Yeah, you know, it's it's an interesting place to be in as a physician when you talk about these things because the way that they've trained everyone to write anyone off, you know, the moment 
you know, they hear the word conspiracy like we talked about last time as well. It's so quick for them to turn off the podcast right now. If I even acquiesce, maybe there's something. But I think this is part of where, and I think I might have mentioned it last time, that we need to live in an evidence-based reality. So whatever that ends up being, you know, we hit on the, you know, cancer sort of analogies. If you don't know that you have it, you can't just keep ignoring it away. And I think we need kind of a bridge between, you know, what's considered to be, you know, reputable and credible. So, okay, I've got MD, I've got good training, all this kind of stuff. But where do we get that kind of mentality from people who are learning and listening and actually paying attention to then also be able to look at true conspiracies and like, what is that actually about? We need a bridge. We need bridges. We need multiple Um, because it's not just a medical world. This isn't, you know, I think that's one of the biggest things to tie back into what you're asking is this is much bigger than just medical. And it's pretty easy to see if you just don't look really hard And you say, well, why was there a Great Reset book written by Klaus Schwab, the head of the World Economic Forum? And he published it in, I believe, either June or July of 2020. So did, you know, he wake up, you know, a day in March 2020 when first a lot of the lockdowns started happening and Italy was having all their big problems and say, you know what? I have some new ideas today and put them down and published an entire new book with all of these far reaching ideas for humanity and for the way everything works in this entire world? Or did he also have a little bit of foreknowledge or maybe just been anticipating this happening like they've, you know, been telling us, right, for some time? Um, But it's pretty clear there's something bigger. And when all the roads, like you said, lead to a vaccine, and when all the roads after that lead towards totalitarian control that you never get back, in every way, shape, or form, you you would be kind of silly to deny that it's at least possible. In fact, if not the most likely answer um, with the evidence that's present. And, you know, when you look around and you say, well, they couldn't get everybody. Of course, they didn't get everybody like we talked about before. Every doctor is a part of the World Economic Forum. But when you look at some of the top heads of some of these different organizations, apparently Mayo Clinic's among them. I haven't looked much, but, but I have heard at least that some of their people at the higher levels of their organization have been affiliated with and associated with the World Economic Forum, as of many heads of state. And so when you look at that and you say, do you need now, do we need the reporters to go ask you, do you denounce this sort of control that's been espoused within the Great Reset book? Do you even know about it? Um, Recently, they called out, I believe it might have been in Germany and maybe in their parliament, forgive me for exactly which, but Earlier this week, one of their newer members called out someone who was a part of the World Economic Forum and said, hey, what do you think about the Great Reset? They acted like they had no idea. He said, oh, well, actually, I just got documents about Klaus Schwab sending you the book and you sending him thanks back and, you know, detailing a little bit about it. So, you know, it's an interesting game that's played, but um, I'll stop there for the moment. But, yeah, I think there's a lot more going on. Um, it, it makes no sense otherwise. And it makes perfect sense when you actually just listen to their words, words from the World Economic Forum to these different totalitarian people that it all lines up to what's in their books. And you said it well last time where it's, it's, <clears throat> it's not even about, is it the vaccine 
or turn the clocks back 20 years and it's, hey, we need a global NATO coalition to go into Iraq or or we need the whole we need a whole kind of NATO coalition to keep, you know keep uh, the Iron Curtain from advancing or whatever. It doesn't matter really. It does, but it doesn't matter what the path of the power is, right? It's mm-hmm. you're the capitalist, you're the entrepreneur. Maybe you sell space on on Amazon Web Services. Maybe you sell lemonade. Maybe you fix glasses. You're making money. It just you're making a traffic jam. Hey, I'll start selling water. You're making money. There are many different ways to it. And you can kind of take that entrepreneurial mind and put it towards global dictatorship. What are you going to do? You're going to look back at what do other companies do? Look back. Well, this company did that and that didn't work. So, hey, let's dodge that bullet. Well, all you got to do is take a little bit of a history lesson and go, all right. So the, the move isn't through initially. The move isn't through uh, overwhelming bombs and iron, you know, treads and tanks and concentration camps. That turns people off. They all get inspired. And next thing you know, you got a bunch of guys storming on Normandy and we're done. What you do look at is, all right, well, how'd the Nazis do so well from 33 to like 40? They started, they got a little too ambitious. But what did they do for that long? It was just a tiny, just move it up a little bit. You don't start. You don't start with Auschwitz. You go ghettos. You go shut down these stores. You do X, Y, and Z. And so, to me, it's not necessarily World Economic Forum, just like it's not necessarily Soviet Union or Nazi Germany or whatever, or Federal Reserve or Rothschilds or Illumin. No, it's the it's the oldest. Humans lusting for power from pharaohs to Klaus Schwab, and they're gonna get better and fine hone their methods. And like any person with a working brain, look back at history and go, Okay, how can I do how can I do it even better? How can I do it better? How can I do it better? And so, if you just remove, like, well, why would it have to be vaccines? It, vaccines or tanks rolling into Poland on September 1st, 1939. Or a bunch of guys on horseback, you know, expanding the Genghis Khan's empire. Nick's all of it. What is the idea? You want force and you do that by projection of power. How do you do that? And how do you do that successfully? So once you remove all the kind of window dressings of, well, how is it done and why? What is it? You have this one centralized group. Don't even need to call it the World Economic Forum. Just call it... X and X has people in all the governments and they're all working in lockstep. And it's kind of weird how just all the social media companies just immediately were like misinformation, ban that, ban that, ban this bit. It gets a little hairy. And eventually you gotta, you gotta look at the sun, no matter how bright it is and go, all right, at the risk of looking like I need to be mummified in tinfoil. What does this look like? It looks like centralized control. It looks like the largest transfer of wealth in human history. And they're doing it without firing a shot. And that's that's really all you have to do. And, well, we asked – a journalist asked so-and-so if they're part of the Great Reset, and they said no. Okay, well, if you ask Hitler, are you going to take over the world in 1933, he's going to say no. If you ask the serial killer, are you really going to bring me to my home or are you taking me to the woods, they're, they're going to tell you they're taking you to your home. You have to use your own brain and go, 
what does this look like? Just what does it look like? And to me, (laughs) this is what it looks like, man. And I know I'm kind of rambling now. Your thoughts on that? No, agreed. And, you know, I think at this point, too, you know, for them to gain ultimate control, whoever the them is, and I wasn't meaning to project just the World Economic Forum, but show you that. Sure. There's a lot of different people involved with this sort of a push and this sort of planning. And they've been planning the mRNA, you know, platform technology, um, you know, doing their coronavirus research and, and talking about how easy it is to manipulate coronaviruses and to leave them without a stamp. There's the video of, you know, Ralph Barrick and Peter Daszak uh, talking about those sorts of things over time. But yeah, the, the only way to control us right now, though, is the same thing that I mentioned earlier with the physicians, you have to create an illusion, whatever that illusion is, for the people to control themselves. So you tell the people that we only need all of this totalitarian control, all of these things. We're only talking about, you know, not letting people travel, not letting people drive over state lines alone in their car without a vaccine passport and all of these insane things, uh, you know, camps, um, you know, they call them different things, of course. In New York, they put a bill forth, and I think that got knocked down. I think there's another one in Washington recently, you know, to akin to the wellness camp that they have in Australia, to where, you know, they have escapees from that. And that makes the news. So it's such a surreal world. But it has to be an illusion that the only reason they want all this control is to keep you safe. And they've known that for a long time. They've known that, you know, humans will give up a whole lot in order to keep their safety and to feel like they're comfortable and to not have to worry or be frightened and, you know, frightened for their family uh, and friends. And they've studied these techniques for well over a hundred years. Now stop me if we talked about um, the the father of propaganda last time. Did we hit hit on that a little? So, so the story, stop me if, if, uh, if you remember any of this, but uh, if you think of a hearty all-American breakfast, what are the first two foods you think of? Wheaties. Okay. Hello. So think um, most people, I would say, think about yep. something like um, on a farm. Oh, hearty yeah. breakfast. Oh, like, like eggs, sausage, you know, bacon. Eggs and bacon, right? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that type of stuff. And most of the responses when I've been actually doing some speaking here and there, and I'll, I'll bring it up every so often. That's usually the answer I get when they think of that real hearty breakfast. Well, that wasn't just from advertising or a natural evolution, like we all kind of thought it was, you know, and I'm kind of appreciative of this, but it was actually the function of a propaganda campaign, like a literal propaganda campaign. So what happened was a, and I'll come back around to a point. This will make some sense. Go for it, man. Take it. But uh, so back in the, I believe it was the 20s, maybe the teens, the Beechnut, I believe it was called Beechnut Tree Company, went to um, a PR firm, Public Relations, which um, that actually is just the new name for propaganda. They literally talked, some of these people, I'll give you the story in a minute, literally just said, propaganda got a bad name after World War I, so we renamed it Public Relations. It's the exact same thing. <laughs> so anyway, so this they go to this PR firm and they say, hey, we want to sell more bacon. Can you help us sell more bacon? So what these people realized over time was that if you're trying to advertise to people and you just say, eat bacon for breakfast. And at the time, in the you know, teens and 20s, the usual American breakfast consisted of maybe a roll and some coffee and maybe some juice. 
before that, it was frowned upon, breaking fast, that sort of thing. I haven't looked in that history, but that's all it was. And so that's probably where they saw the opportunity to push this in. So, but if you had just gone to them and said, hey, you need to eat bacon for breakfast, add that to your roll. Like, no, no, thanks. Not my idea. You just want to sell bacon to me. Nah, I'm going for it. So they realized that you need to make the public believe that it's their own idea. Mm-hmm. And then they'll come to you. So here's what they did. The guy who's leading up the PR campaign, he goes to a doctor that works for the PR firm whose salary is beholden to them doing what they want. He says, you know, doctor, would you agree that Americans eating a heartier breakfast would be better for their health because they need so much more energy during the day and they've lost a lot through the evening. They haven't been eating. Would you agree with me? And of course, the doctor says, yes, indeed. Uh, yeah, I would. Uh-huh. Sure. Uh, whether that's how the conversation went or not. But either way, he's going to say yes. He says, okay, well, then further, if you feel that strongly, doctor, who would we pay your salary and you work for us, would you be willing to send out a letter to 5,000 of your nearest doctor friends to ask them if they indeed agree with that, uh, that scientific and medical perspective that you have? Of course, he says, yes, I will. So the report from the PR guy, he gets back and says, you know, we got 4,500 response and it was, responses and it was unanimous, Right. And if you've heard the quote, whoever actually made it, it's not who, you know, votes or how they vote. It's who counts the votes. Stalin. Of course, these aren't released, right? Shout out Stalin. (laughs) There you go. So 4,500 and all the doctors agree. So now the headlines write themselves. Okay. You don't have to go out and pay for advertising dollars. You go plug this with all the newspapers around the country. 4,500 doctors nationwide urge citizens in America to better their health by eating a hearty breakfast. Not all of them, but most of them would say something akin to maybe eggs and bacon. Everybody gets on this. The typical American breakfast for most changes entirely. The sales of bacon skyrocket. A wonderful campaign based upon basically scientists agree with a study that no one saw the raw data from, right? So, well, who is this guy? Like, why am I talking about eggs and bacon? Well, he's the same guy who ran the propaganda campaign for the United States government for World War I. He's the same guy who was responsible for women smoking cigarettes and tobacco going way up based upon the Torches of Freedom campaign that he organized. (laughs) Also responsible for the overthrow of the, I believe it was Guatemalan government helping the CIA with his propaganda campaign, using it to overthrow that said government. So he's kind of a big player. Um, And I believe fluoride in the water was also related to him. That said, I haven't searched that one, so don't quote me. Now, who was this guy? His name was Edward Bernays. Well, okay, so he wrote a book. What's the book called? Propaganda. It's literally called Propaganda. Listen to the audio book. It's fantastic because the the sound of the voice and the accent just go really well into kind of a stuffy thing, but he's basically talking about, yeah, we just renamed propaganda public relations. Yeah. Yeah, We are selecting all the leaders behind the scenes and nobody really knows it, but they feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. They're just saying the quiet part out loud. This is in 1929. I believe it was just saying the whole quiet part out loud. Also wrote another book called crystallizing public opinion. And another one, um, another one called engineering consent. Mm quite a few. He was the nephew or great nephew of no other than Sigmund Freud. So use some of his uncle's or great uncle's work 
to then craft his, how do we manipulate all of society at once? And then also his great nephew, nephew, great nephew, somewhere in that line, um, was none other than, uh, excuse me, Mark uh, Bernays Randolph. They take the middle, their last name sometimes and put it to the middle. I don't know if that's hiding it or what that's doing, but he was the first CEO of Netflix. God. So the nephew of the guy who wrote the book Propaganda, <laughs> Crystallizing Public Opinion, and helped to overthrow governments with his propaganda, is also the same guy as first CEO of Netflix. So that's where you get it. And, you know, they even, uh, one other little uh, correlate to it uh, that I usually add in is they talked about selling pianos. So before I usually get to the bacon part, I talk about selling pianos. You go to these people and you say, you need to buy a piano. It's, you know, music is good. It's good for the development of your kids' brains. It's just a great thing to have, a great tool, skill, um, social thing, yada, yada. You go to them and they say, no, actually, I'm going to buy a truck. No, I'm going to do something different. That's a really huge purchase. And you just want to sell me something. It's not my idea. We're going to roll. So what they would do is they would go around to the advertising agencies and they'd basically make a new thing in society. And you can see this all the time. Always. It's how they run a lot of our society. And basically went to these advertisers and all the magazines. And what they came up with was they said, you know, let's make it a thing that everyone, every modern home has a proper music room. Every modern home has a proper music room. So when everybody's going, oh, everybody's got a music room, honey. We need a music room, right? It's everywhere. It's on the magazines and TV. It's everywhere. So then naturally they'll look at the corner and they'll say, you know, what would look really good over there, honey, uh, really piano. And who, who would ask them to sell pianos? Yeah. One of the piano companies, but that's how they shape the world around you to where you think it's your idea. And that's the brilliance of it is you'd never imagine that that's really the way it was working. And so with all of those things, that's how they've kind of gotten us to this place is with illusions, you know, illusions that, that, um, there's no way there could be this many of them. Uh, there's no way that it's totalitarian control that they want. It's just that they want to protect you from this virus. It's just that the virus happened and now we need to save you from it. You know, the problem reaction solution, right? However, the problem got here, it doesn't even matter. They, their only solution is more governmental control, less individual liberty. It's not just about a virus. That was that my i think that rivaled my rants that was wonderful that was, that was <laughs> sorry no 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 I, i'm not being sarcastic that was brilliant i love it i love the you do you did what i did at the beginning of my rants sometimes and, you know they'll ask a question about nuclear fusion and i'll be like so penguins are cute and i'll be like bear with me <laughs> and just sit back for 20 minutes i'm going to take a sip of water i'm like <clears throat> you know penguins but no but that that was but that was brilliant because that's exactly what it is, right? It means so much of it. And you can only imagine, I mean, what would Bernays or Freud think? What would Mengele think? And I, know, I mean, I know those are tired analogies. Ah, Nazi. Yeah, okay, what? Um, what would their opinions be on? I mean, you can almost just see them like drooling at the concept of like, oh, yeah, man, TV in the room, forget it. No, no, no. TV in your hand. Couple social media, everything, control everything. No one knows because we're not all in the room. I see a status and it's got a thousand likes, and I go a thousand people liked it. No, no, two people liked it. We just cranked it up to a thousand. We just, we literally just changed the digits on the screen. If you just change the digits on a screen from one K to one M, that wildly changes your opinion on something to where I go, ah, there's a thousand idiots. See one million, you go, huh. 
mean, you ever seen a YouTube video where a thumbnail pops up and you don't even care, but it says like 24M and you're like, well, I mean, if 24 million people watch this, what is, and it's not really better than anything else. Or if you see a song and it, it broke the coveted B, 1 billion, you look at it, you're like, well, I mean, there's got to be something there. I mean, exactly. imagine any of that factored in to just what they're, they, they had these rudimentary concepts of just the music room, the eggs and bacon. What if you could do it in real time? And then not only that, get in bed with those companies, just like kind of those doctors send it out to 4,500 and you could have them smack down dissent and you try to smack it down as subtly as you can. Cause you don't want to, you don't want to make, you know, like Dr. Nass, you want to make an example to other doctors, but to the public at large, you don't necessarily want them to see the iron fist underneath the velvet glove because they go, who, what, why, why are they smashing them? If you just shadow ban, just, just plug, there's no, there's no banner, you know, Dr. Malone banned from Twitter in the news. There was, it wasn't on no. Twitter. You just right. You want to come up, you want to go Navy seal. You don't want to go with a shotgun. You just want to go knife to the neck, pull them down. Right. Nice and quiet. You can do that to the point where you don't even need to make an example because if you do, if you make the examples quietly, all the person sees is a is a, is an arena of thoughts and opinions that only have the allowed thoughts and opinions. So it's not even like you're like, why are people getting banned? If they just pluck them out quickly, you don't even see that other thought, right? And then once you kind of close it into the acceptable thought, then you can do the whole illusion of left, right, left, right, you know, whatever, stay within the Overton window. But outside of it, what do you think? And now I'm just asking you to speculate, but that, that was, I had never heard of Bernays. So you're, you're my new expert. How do you think social media itself plays into it? Or is it just the same thing evolved? I think it plays in a lot more. I think you're right. I think they probably would have just been drooling over the thought of having that much control versus just, you know, say TV that most everybody tuned into or everybody read the newspapers back then in the big markets. Basically having it right at the ready putting it in front of everyone constantly in a million different fashions, really, you know, that's, that's the way you can really shape a reality and create a matrix around people. Right. And it's, it's a really great and true analogy to all of it. Um, even down to the energy part, but that's a different, different, different piece. But no, I think they absolutely would have loved it because this is the, the best way to do it. You have to control the minds. And if you constantly inundate people, that's the way that you're going to do it. You have to have, if people actually step out for a little while or people who, like in an Amish community, if you go up to them and start trying to instill like fear, right, about COVID and yeah, all this kind of stuff. And you say, you know, less than 1% of people actually die unless you're above whatever age. Most people just kind of get a cold or, you know, but some people do get quite sick. Um, but the people who, you know, had a hand in making it in the lab want you to take this shot to protect you from it they're going to look at you like you're absolutely nuts and they're going to laugh and they're going to see that perspective because they haven't been like shaped with the fear and the gaslighting and everything else that you can do with that social media. And part of building that matrix is also, you know, aside from, you know, owning the media and having the ideas and knowing how psychological warfare is run, they've studied it for well over a hundred years. They have so many ways to do it. Um, you know, they didn't study it for no reason. Then the, the last part of that is what we've been talking about, which is that societal pressure. 
<clears throat> and so with that social media, you kind of now wrap the whole package together. So if you take it off, they don't even know it exists. So if you don't know that you're missing something, you have no clue. Number one, they put in the preferred narratives, the preferred thought processes, et cetera. And then if you stray from that where your friends are on these places, now all of a sudden you get ostracized. That's a powerful disincentive too. Uh, they've got some great videos from like brain games about people standing up in, an, in a, a medical office every time they heard a beep and just the whole run of people will stand up together. Um, and they brought one person in for starters that had like eight plants there. And so the person looks around, why are they standing up and then back down every time the beep goes off? But I don't know, everybody else is doing it, so they do it. Even after you take the rest of the people out of the room, the person who's now been trained to do it just does it. And then you put in a new contestant who doesn't know anything either. And then they both just start doing it. Even the resistant people after a while finally cave. It, it's incredible to see what we actually do when you think about it. There's a couple other ones where they would put people onto, uh, these are older. These look like they were from the mid fifties. They put people on an elevator. They'd have everybody on the elevator who was the plant turn around backwards. And that person standing who just got in, it's very uncomfortable, not knowing, but he's not part of the group. And so eventually they kind of like, you know, look at their watch and then they finally they turn around and then they show, they show it closing and opening again. And now all of them have now shifted and turned to the right or left and they shifted with them for no explicable reason other than doing what the rest of the group was doing and taking care of that discomfort of doing something separate than the crowd. So that's basically all you need really with the matrix and to try to say that the matrix is comfortable, right? You're comfortable and you're safe if you get your shots and everybody will agree with you. People will praise you. You can feel like you're doing the right virtuous thing. Uh, and all the media tells me so. And that's, that's the matrix in a nutshell. And now imagine if instead of seeing five people in the doctor's office, you, all you see is one M. 2.2 M likes. Yeah. Get rid of the dislike button, baby. Knock it off. Get rid of the comments. Yeah. Well, I bet 200,000 upvotes on why I need to, you know, take a Moderna booster and put it through my baby's skull. You're like, I, I and that's obviously a hyperbolic analogy for anyone listening out there. But, well, I guess it doesn't matter anymore. We're permanently banned from YouTube anyway. So if you're here, you probably have given up on all that stuff anyway. So welcome to the show. But man, and now there's a whole nother. So one, it's you see five people in the elevator versus you can do this virtual thing where now I go, well, man, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the phone and it says that 80,000 elevators full of people are all they've got their heads turned around. So there's one aspect where you can now take that existing uh, uh, example phenomena and then just, you know, just turn the dial all the way up, not to five, but to five million, five billion. So that's one Absolutely. thing. And now the other is I realized as I as I was looking around, I don't know what the hell is in the back of my head. Piece of plastic. That's weird. Not only that, but that's just the whole comfort, right? The beeping in the office. Beep, stands up. Beep, stands up. You know, okay, that's just comfort. Elevator, turn around. And that's, again, mm -hmm. 10 people around you. Imagine the perception of 10 million. Yep. So take that scale. There's one aspect. And now there's a whole new prong. That's just standing up because there are beeps. That's turning around in the elevator because everyone else is turning around. Now imagine, oh, you want to face the elevator door? This guy wants to kill grandma. 
Mm-hmm. Now imagine that. Well, one, well, I don't want to, I don't want to hurt anybody. Okay, I don't want to hurt anybody. But now everyone else is this unselfish mother. You know, he wants to kill my. Gr-. Finally, you're like, maybe you're not even comfortable. You're like, I don't really like the sound of the beeping in the doctor's office. But beep. Everyone stands up. Hey, hey, hey! Look at this guy, the puppy strangler. And you're like, dude, I'm not a whatever man. I'll stand up too. And you know, and then you know, your friends are like, man, I don't want to hang out with that guy. He's the puppy strangler. And now all of a sudden it's, hey, we're all going out to the bar tonight. You don't have your uh, non-puppy strangler pass? You're like, dude, I just didn't want to take the non-puppy strangler shot. I mean, no, I'm against it, but I just, I don't want the, all right, dude, you're at, you're out of uh, public, you're out of, you can't be part of public, uh, polite society anymore. Mm-hmm. And if you bring any of this up and you go, hey, guys, doesn't this seem like a really well-crafted 10th generation version of psychological warfare? They're like, all right, Mr. Alex Jones. It's brilliant. You got to give it to him, man. Yep. It's brilliant. You're right. I love your analogy. No, I think it's <laughs> perfectly fitting. And it shows, you know, it shows the absurdity too, but also the reality of it. Because that group mentality and that need to feel comfortable within a group, the need to, you know, not be fearful because they think that they don't have to fear anymore because they've gotten their shots, right? And they have protection. They've got protection in the herd, um, you know, and I don't, I don't mean that in a derogatory way. Sure. Um, there's a herd mentality. But, uh, you know, they've got that protection in the herd and they think they've got the protection physically as well. These are very powerful motivators. And when you've got such a carrot and a stick and there's such a wide chasm between the two, be ostracized from society, at some point not be able to even go get groceries, not be able to feed your family, lose your career, lose your position, or I just take my shot and I get everything and I get to feel comfortable and people pat me on my back and I get my sticker and I can put it on Facebook it's pretty easy to see why so many people take the carrot rather than the stick, even if it's, you know, kind of a, a nasty carrot. Even if, even if the carrot gives you myocarditis, you know, you know, even if that happens. Exactly. Exactly. But what's crazy is, so you're talking about the plants in the doctor's office and then you can remove the plants, but the thing starts to perpetuate itself. And then the new guys come in, and then the guy standing up, you're like, dude, those aren't even plants. Those are brainwashed from the prior generation. And then it goes on forever. You no longer need the, the plants. It's just a self-sustaining uh, like cultural meme, if you will, which Ken Clisby, a CIA officer I've had in here, talks about how the Soviet Union would do that in the United States during the Cold War, probably still doing it. But that perpetuation. Mm-hmm. So now you got to think, if you can start with that carrot stick dichotomy, that illusion once you get enough people to it's not just enough that you stand up because everyone else is but now okay you like to kick babies and it's like no i don't and it and then you actually turn it into a real thing right because at first it's just i don't want to be uncomfortable number two is it's not enough that you know i'm like i want to be everybody stands up with the beep i'll stand up too there's the second aspect of well now they all think i you know kick babies you're like why well, no i don't want them to think i kick babies but okay i'll stand up well then you can sort of solidify it right? You're moving the entire World War One. We're going to move the whole front forward. Dig new trenches. It took a lot, but we got an inch forward. All right, all right. You know, everybody kind of, and that's how you just move the front forward just a little bit each day. Exactly. Now, but think about it. So move that. 
with the whole moving of the front. It's very painful to move the front, but once you do, you can kind of plant your feet, gather your energy, right? You work out one day, you can't go home, take a nap, tomorrow's a new day, work out again, and that's how you build muscle. You don't build up muscle in one day. It takes years, right, of little tiny baby steps. But now you turn it from not just comfort and not just being ostracized to now you move it so much that now you've locked something in. Now you can't go get food. Now you can't go participate in polite society for your own mental health. Now you can't go out and hang out at bars and literally find a partner and procreate. Man, now you can't be online and talk to other people. They are driving you to be selected out almost like the Galapagos Islands. You are now going to culturally, you're going to have like a genetic and cultural drift. And then once you can establish that, once you can push that line forward and then, you know, ratchet it shut and you're like, all right, we got it. And, you know, putting the car jack up. Well, now you just wait a generation or two. I mean, an actual generation of humans. And now you just like the guy that's just standing up in the doctor's office now and the plants aren't even there anymore. Now it's just the year 2150 and it's like you just – no one even remembers anything other. You know, dude, grandpa used to talk about boosters. Grandpa's grandpa used to talk about boosters. What the hell are you talking about, man? Well, what about way back in two- – oh, yeah, you want to go back then? Am I, am I making sense or am I really just going on a psychotic ramble? No, absolutely because you're building out how it works in real life and how they create the illusion of the matrix. And it's the only way right now that they can control us. Yes. Is by us yes. controlling ourselves. So if we believe the stories that they put out, the talking heads from the CDC that are telling us kind of the opposite, really, of what the studies say, um, you know, and promoting the bad studies and saying those are the authoritative ones, you know, it really has more of the hallmarks of psychological warfare than it does evidence-based medicine. But if people be- enough people believe it and want to be comfortable, you have then created that self-sustaining piece that you're talking about. So, no, it's a, it's a perfect analogy and right now you know and you look at if you go back to what we talked about with the you know the the reset the great reset and totalitarian technocracy type stuff the only way a small group can control a large amount of people is through the mind yes right is if we control ourselves so they have to find really brilliant ways to do it now they've got the things in your hand to do it so now this is the perfect opportunity the only way they can fully control without your consent where they stop tricking you, but they can do something else is if they tie everything you have to some sort of, whether it's a digital passport, whatever it is that's digital, because if they can turn off your car electronically, that supposedly was in some bill um, at the state, you know, oh, at the yeah, uh, U S Capitol yeah, recently, yeah, I saw that. tried to get snuck in. If they can turn off your car, they can turn off your banking through whatever, you know, whether it's a magnetic card or whether it's a chip like they have in Sweden and or, talk about in other countries. Or, or op- literally, literally Operation Choke Point. Uh, Mike Lindell just had his, uh, was just debanked. It's an actual, it's an actual operation I think began under Bush or Obama. Choke Point, you can just take away their bank accounts. Sorry, keep going. Oh, yeah, that's right. I for- totally forgot about it. But that's then the only way. They make us dependent upon them. Yeah. And then everything is now electronic and you can't fend for yourself. Then they can fully control nearly everything. Right now, we still have power. And I think what people don't understand is that there's actually, you say that and you're like, oh, they have this matrix and they've got everything and so much money and power. 
that actually shows their weakness and yes. our and our strength. Yes. Because there's so many more of us if you just wake up and you don't participate and you band together, you learn, uh, you work together, and then we create a much better system. There's so much of an opportunity here that people don't realize because they're too hung up on the fear and the gravity of it all um, versus what you've been taught. I mean, you know, I don't think I was taught the details and the absurdity of, um, you know, the fractional reserve banking system. Yeah. I was never taught that as a kid. Yeah, that no. wasn't like an essential part, right? Dude, I, so I didn't learn. You know, I didn't learn about the. I don't think I actually went down the Federal Reserve rabbit hole until like. July of last year, I read uh, the creature from Jekyll Island. Mm-hmm. I came out of that man just rambling like Alex Jones. I was like, "They're taking away money. It's hidden taxation. There is no such thing. You have to have a gold standard." And but yeah, these things that sorry, I cut you off. No, no, but you're but you're right. It's it's kind of um we're living a bit of insanity in multiple respects. And so you know, I was talking to some people. Uh, and not some people, a lot of people, we had about 4,500, um, the second time we had a big rally at our capital, uh, here in, in Minnesota. And I was, I was talking to them about this whole thing. And I said, if you want to look for evidence that some things in this world could be upside down, number one, you look at the federal, not federal reserve, not a reserve, you know, banking system and our whole monetary system is number one, that everything could be upside down and completely messed up. Number two, China having a spot on the UN, uh, a seat on the UN Human Rights, Rights Council, yeah. while they simultaneously have millions in concentration camps. So if you're going to tell me things can't be upside down and everybody's just going along with it, like that's not the biggest, one of the biggest problems out there is millions of Uyghur Muslims in concentration camps with horrid things happening to them. Mm-hmm. Yet, we pick these little things wherever the media and, you know, the prevailing narrative about your music room or what you should be enraged about today, what should upset you and pull your heartstrings. That's, that's uh, one of some of the biggest bits of evidence. Federal reserve bank is, is huge. It's uh, it's how they control us. Cause if you don't have your job, you don't have those dollars. And that's how a lot of people have been talking to the shop, right? It's kind of crazy thinking about it just kind of the federal reserve is as a, as an analogy to what we've been talking about. I mean, right. Was it Thomas Jefferson? That was like a, a, a centralized banking systems, more dangerous than a standing army, more dangerous to a Republic than a standing army. Andrew Jackson, uh, you are a den of vipers and I intend to rat you out. And by the power of God, I will rat you out. And his last words were, I killed the bank. And that was like the, the second one, right? I think the second, so it all, but it keeps creeping back in. And then it finally comes back in in like 1913 and there are still people like, hey, what's going on with this? There's inflation. The power of gold is blah, blah. But then it slips down and then it's another generation and then it slips down and then it's another – and then all of a sudden you get to me where I'm born in 1990 and I like to think I'm like moderately intelligent and well-read. But it's not until I turn 30 that I actually read about the Federal Reserve and it's kind of the whole same – you remove the plant and then the next one perpetuates it in perpetuity – now you start going, well, 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 how do we get to this point? But by then, the matrix is solidified. You got to have that U.S. dollar. There's no like, hold on, guys. Should we have this thing? Now it's just like, dude, what the hell are you talking about? Mom has the dollar. Grandma has the dollar. Grandma's grandma had the dollar. You're like, dude, what are you talking about? That's where it's going to be in 120 years. It's going to be like, what are we talking about? You don't want the booster. You, you get the booster. You do the thing. We watch the Super Bowl in February. We grill on 4th of July, and you get your booster every month. Like, it's just, 
but by the time it's become solidified, you can no longer question it because it's so far removed that you can't even really build a bridge to it. So, and then to also what you said, it's very disillusioning at first to go, they've got everything, right? They've got the banks, they've got the military, they've got the intelligence agencies that control the media, the means of production, the food sources, the transportation, everything. If they were in true power, they wouldn't need to run ads of, you know, safe and effective. They would just, it, it, would, be, it would be China. They'd come kick down your door, shoot your parents, and throw you in a concentration camp. That's raw. That's raw power, right? Yeah. The Nazis couldn't just straight go to that. It had to start with the Reichstag fire. It had to start with, we're all so humiliated from World War I. We're all so humiliated with all the, they're stripping the teeth off of our arms industry, the, the Krupp, K-R-U-P-P industry. It leads to that, to where, once you get to 1944, you don't need propaganda anymore. Everyone has been killed that was going to stand up for you. The trains are running on time right into the gates of Auschwitz. The crematoria are running. There's nowhere to, you can't speak up. You're thrown in the striped pajamas. You're tattooed and you got X number of days of working before you're gassed. But before that, if you can wind the clocks back a decade, and if they got to dial up, the fact that you see Hitler out there screaming yeah, he's screaming, he's intimidating, and all these, you know, these Albert Speer-designed midnight torch rallies and shit, those are intimidating. But it means that they are flexing really, really hard. It's like a, it's a guy peacocking at the bar. I'm the fucking coolest guy here, man. I go to, I'll buy all the shots. And it's like, well, there's a guy that has not been laid in a year. Like, you know, it's very, it's very easy, right? The guy in the gym that's like, dude, I get so much ass, I get so much ass. You're like, dude, just... No one else is talking about it. Like, but clearly you need to tell us. So it hasn't, it has been a while. So that's what I mean is like the fact that they're not knock on wood, the fact that they're not just like kicking down the fact that like we're doing a second podcast, the fact that like I wasn't shot in the face after my first interview with Malone shows that there are still Leo Szilard and Einstein left Germany because they saw the writing on the wall there came a point when you could no longer leave. You can still leave. You can still jump to, and I know this is obviously making a dramatic analogy. You can still leave to go to a different social media platform. There's still a Rogan where these guys can have an outlet and we can have these discussions and doctors can still meet and we can all assemble in DC on the 23rd, two days ago, or whenever that was. So it's not all dark. The fact that they have to duck the Fauci, the fact that they have to get rid of the dislike button shows that yes. they don't have an iron grip. The fact that a dislike button is a is a big fulcrum <laughs> that, hey, man, Stalin never worried about the dislike button. The tanks just rolled on in. All right. The fact that they're like, should we get rid of the dislike button? That that, you know, that shows how weak they are. <laughs> you know, the dislike button's a crux like, oh, man. All right. You know, OK. I don't even know where I'm going with this now. But. No, but I'm with you. Even last night. <clears throat> so there was a clip of the vaccine injuries that are actually happening in the military. Whistleblowers on Capitol Hill with some of those same uh, doctors and, and torchbearers exactly that were there. Um, 
you know, three brave whistleblowers going through Thomas Wren's. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about all the different vaccine injuries. So there was a small clip of him talking about it there. And on Twitter, one of the accounts had it up. And you see, I think, 2,000 shares, 5,000 <laughs> likes. And right next to it, you see zero views. Zero. And you start to see how helpless and how silly, <laughs> you know, this all looks um, on its face. And it, it and part of that is that, <clears throat> you know, it's breaking the illusion through enough people putting enough pressure and in, in becoming educated about what's going on. Yeah. And like your podcast and everybody else who's out there spreading truth is helping that, you know, because if you if you let just a single isolated case turn you off to everything. So say you bring one suit um, like one lawsuit against the mandates in the whole states, even if, you know, that judge wasn't compromised before and they're a good person, they're going to bring hell to bear behind the scenes, threaten their family, who knows what sure. likely, right, to get the right thing that they want. Whereas if you bring 25 suits across 17 different states, you're going to find through that process someone who says, you know what, the mandates are unconstitutional. You can't do that, yeah. Biden. So that continual pressure eventually makes things break. And the same thing with that social media. People see how ridiculous it was that you got pulled off of YouTube. They go, that's kind of weird. Like, I thought he was just saying they censored people. Was just crazy. That wasn't even yeah. a good reason. Yeah. And you do that, and then people are watching and just trying to find, like, they, those whistleblowers did that under oath. Penalty of perjury. Yeah, that's Lieutenant and that's not Colonel, a small thing. Lieutenant, Huge. Yeah, Lieutenant Colonel Teresa Long, and then I think, was it Dr. Chambers, the former Green Beret, I think it's sorry, but yeah, no, yeah, but you're right. And amazing, you know, patriots and just humans in general um, to do that just takes so much. But, you know, even something like that is getting censored. People go, how can you censor that? You know, these are military doctors going at great risk to themselves to just tell you what's happening. They didn't have some weird, wacky agenda. They don't risk that. They don't risk their entire careers and, you know, even their lives to some respect um, based upon just, you know, some random, you know, conspiracy theory that isn't true. So the more people press, the more ridiculous it all looks. And, you know, you expose that house of cards, the house of cards with more pressure, it comes down. It can only withstand so much. And we're getting there, you know, day by day. Yeah. It's, and it is inspiring, right? And it's, it's very easy to, you know, now as guilty of it as anyone, who can't be done, it's over. No, I mean, it is, it accelerates. It becomes easier and easier to do. You know, again, who cares about the second Patriot or the 50th Patriot? Just keep, keep doing the, just keep doing the thing. Who cares? Doesn't matter who gets credit. Just keep doing it. It does keep pushing it. And then eventually you start to have those those unintentional red pill moments, right? I mean, you say, I've been red pilled. It's like, oh, well, you're ripping a bong and watching Alex Jones videos. And maybe I was and you know, screw it off. But like you can start to get even more of the quote unquote normies when you're like, wait, it's got 2,000 retweets, 6,500 comments, no views. It's got no views. <laughs> It's got no views. Well, well, jeepers, man. It's, I mean, when I had, right when I was banned, I had on, on YouTube, I had 5,649 subscribers. And my last episode was with Dr. McCullough. I think it got like 25 views. And it had like 2,000 likes. And I was suspended. 
when I had on McCullough, Malone, and Desmet on January 4th on Rumble, I was only at 1,400 subscribers, so like a fourth, on a lesser-known platform. That one right now is sitting at 548,000 views, which is more views than I got on my entire YouTube channel over 600 episodes combined on a lesser-known platform. And you start to look at it and you go, huh, I've been on Twitter for two years for this podcast and it barely broke 500 followers. I've been on Getter for two weeks and it's broken 500 followers. And you start to get these little tiny red pills where you go, even the person who maybe, I don't know, I don't care if Ivermectin conspiracy theorists, those are the bridges being built where it's like, hey, we don't even need to go down the rabbit hole of Jekyll Island. Forget it. Gold standard. We'll save it for another time. You know, that's the advanced course. You're looking at it right now, and you're going, it's got, what, 720,000 likes on Instagram, but you aren't allowed to comment. And when I try to follow this person, it says, are you sure you want to follow this person? They've repeatedly broken our misinformation rule, which causes more people to do it, which causes more people to retweet it, and it still says zero views to where even the most blue-pilled normie eventually starts going, hold on, hold on. And then the red pill suppository comes when they go, I'm going to retweet it, banned. And they're like, what? But I'm a good person. I have a mask in my profile. Banned. Misinformation. Yep. Very hopeful. Very hopeful, actually. Yeah, it really is. Again, it's just that continual pressure. And, you know, we get there more by the day. You know, I see it, we feel it, and and I'm sure you have too, you know. Uh, and that was a, just an all-star lineup you had there that uh, that day with, you know, Dr. Malone and McCullough that and uh, Desmond. That was divine intervention. Oh, my gosh, it's amazing. And But that said, you know, all over the place, I see that illusion cracking. More people are being willing to kind of just entertain things. You know, whether we're talking about something big like the Federal Reserve Bank and the monetary system, yeah. you know, and I've seen some great videos on YouTube recently just explaining the absur- absurdity of it. Yeah. Like, they make up money out of thin air. You go buy something with it. You pay them all the money, almost all the money back. And now you can't pay your last few payments. So they took all that money from you and that property from you. And you get nothing out of the whole thing in return, you know, they just print off all the money they want, make up money out of thin air. You go, it can't really be this ridiculous. But over time, again, it it sinks in. But at some point, there's enough to wake people up and go, it might be really big. It might seem really daunting, but we can start to understand it, figure it out and flip it around. Um, Because the only way you get to those is over many, many years. And if you're diabolical, you plan over decades, you don't plan for the by weeks. Sure. So you have to make it seem like it's absolutely ridiculous. Anyone would really spend decades developing a plan to enslave all of humanity, right? You have to do that. <clears throat> but one of my favorite things to kind of tell people, like, if you don't think, aside from the upside down piece, if you don't think that something could be all around you and still have been a huge part of history, but yet no one really know about it, you need look no farther than this background behind me. And this background behind me was from the uh, World's Fair in 1893, the Columbian Exposition. Columbia 
was actually the poetic name for our country for most of its history. Columbia with a U. Most people aren't aware of that. And you say, well, okay, that's just a random, you know, one-off. Not really, because the Columbian Exposition was named that somewhat based upon Columbus, but also on the front of the flyers was Lady Columbia, who was essentially, you know, the patron goddess of America, along with Britannia mm-hmm. and Great Britain, et cetera. But what most people don't know is that basically most of these things around us were all based upon her. So she had a centerpiece at the end of this, looking out towards Lake Michigan. She was the centerpiece out there with a Phrygian cap, symbolizing freedom of basically people over government was one of those things. The national anthem within the United States up until 1931 was actually Hail Columbia. Most people don't know that. Not officially, but it was. And everybody knew it. Uh, World War I propaganda we were talking about. I don't know if he made that or not. Uh, Bernays, Lady Columbia was all over it. Girls would dress up every 4th of July as Lady Columbia. Uh-huh. District of Columbia, the money that you were taught, the real money, like silver and gold, any of those coins back from, say, 1941 and behind, you'll see Lady Columbia on there yeah. with the Phrygian cap and a few different variations. But she got boxed out of the picture later. Um, at the front of the Women's Suffrage March in 1913, who did they dress up as at the front? Lady Columbia. All over everything. There were postcards for every single holiday, save for Christmas, with Lady Columbia on them. Lady Columbia was everywhere. Columbia Records, Columbia Pictures. Anything you name Columbia, the ride at Disneyland with the, on the frontier land, I believe it is. On the front of it, it's called Columbia. And on the front, it has Lady Columbia as the, I forget what you call that when it's on the front of the ship. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But she was there too. Basically everywhere blanketed across our entire country, Columbia, Missouri, the Columbia River, all of these things were all based upon her and she's been completely forgotten. The shorts that I think I was wearing earlier, I wore for a time earlier today, Columbia, all from Lady Columbia. It's all around us and no one has a clue about that history because after, you know, 1930s and the Great Depression, they kind of boxed her out a little more after they slid alongside, you know, Uncle Sam first. Then the new Lady Liberty and in the form of the Statue of Liberty. And they eventually like melded and then together and then they pushed her away. So there's so much more to our history, so much more that that can be going on around us. And people are going to become more open when they realize that there's an alternative to just being ostracized and, and being demeaned and losing all of your friends and, you know, getting thrown in the camp. Guess what? We can make a better world together. It just takes you piecing through and learning these things to get us to a much better place. And uh, I'll, I'll stop there and, and, no. and let you comment, but no, sorry no, for the rant. No, dude, shut up. You, <clears throat> your rants are brilliant. I, I, no, they're thoroughly awesome. I love them. It's, that's, but that's a perfect, so we could use it for like the woke culture today, right? You could be like, you know, one day, if we just keep going down this uh, dystopian, like woke narrative, but one day, you know, there's going to be some woke grandkid that's going to be asking the woke grandma, and be like, how come you were 30 when you pulled down the statue of Robert E. Lee? Like, what about the first 30 years of your life? Was everybody just openly racist? Be like, yeah, but like, how come we weren't fighting against it? Well, I get, well, no, it was 2020 when we all, everyone just snapped out of it. So for a time, you're going to go, wait, for decades, even like the peace, love, hippie movement, 
you guys all lived in the same country with Robert E. Lee statues? That's what they're going to they're gonna go. Where was this? Where was this? Like, what, So we just did 200 years of or 100, however many years of America where black people couldn't vote. Women just couldn't vote. And then one day we all just snapped out of it and decided women vote now. Yeah. So there are examples of where you're floating it. It's like um, uh, David Foster Wall said about, I don't know, something about consciousness. It's a great quote, but it still applies to this. And it's two young fish just graduated from fish college. And they're like walking down the sidewalk beginning the first day of the rest of their lives. They're in their cap and gown and they're, you know, swimming down the sidewalk in whatever fish town. And an older fish, like an alumni, swims by him. He tips his hat and he goes, morning, boys. How's the water? You know, they, how you doing, sir? And they kind of keep swimming along. And after like 20 seconds, one of them looks at the other and goes, dude, what the hell is water? <laughs> when I heard that, it ripped my mind open. What is the water right now? What's the yep. water? What world are we living in where, yep. I mean, if you went back to not even like 1860, if you just went back to like mm -hmm. 1770, where it mm -hmm. wasn't even like a, like a war issue and everyone's just like, oh, no, 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 don't worry. You know, Bill will get it. Who's Bill? Oh, Bill's a slave. You know, Bill's like, how you doing? And you're just like, you'd be like, yo, wait, what? That guy's, uh-uh, no, 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 dude, no, no, you you just, you deserve a home in your own life, and you can direct your own life and have your own family and become a person and go to college. Everyone would be like, that, what are you talking about? You'd be like, there are, you look out in the fields, you see slaves, you'd be like, dude, what are we doing? And women would be like, you know, I wonder who the men are going to vote for. And you'd be like, you can't, what do you mean? Are you not voting? Like, that's eventually what this, what the hell is water, right? The, the surgeon goes and cuts open one person, takes the knife, wipes the pus off, and then goes to the next, and you'd be like... You'd be like, dude, germ theory, what are you doing? And they'd be like, germ who? What the hell is water? So where are we right now? What the hell is water? Yeah. What is a vaccine? Yeah. Oh, God. What is money? What is, a mo what is money? What is safe and effective? Yep. What is stopping the spread? Yep. You know, the humans moving towards comfort and appreciating comfort too much is a, is a big problem. I want to I want to plug this because I forgot sure. to say it last time. Um, if you want to find the biggest conspiracy website on the internet, go to justice.gov, the Department of Justice website. Okay. Go into the search function and type in the word conspiracy. You'll find pages of conspiracy charges, conspiracy for racketeering, conspiracy RICO, conspiracy human trafficking. <laughs> Just a whole nice laundry list of them. It's really interesting conspiracy site that, you know, is helpful for people to, to look at for perspective, right? So I wish I had known that when I spoke about it a bit at our capital on our capital steps and trying to decode that word. But in any case, yeah, it's it's an interesting world. Um, <clears throat> something kind of fun. Uh, we haven't talked about this before, so you probably haven't ever heard about it, about it and nor have, have your viewers. But we've actually known for over a hundred years, how to kill all the viruses and bacteria in the air in all these public places. Enlighten me. A hundred years. We've known for well over a hundred years. There was always a catch, in fairness. Uh, but there's not actually anymore. So we've been dealing with UV germicidal light. So it's a different part of the spectrum, but basically mercury lamps. So we've been sterilizing the water essentially since about 1906, they first started using it. We've known it'll do air, surfaces, and water. 
this entire time. Problem being, at a UVC with this mercury-based uh, lamp, it puts out a nanometer wavelength 254. I'm not a physicist, but basically your normal visible spectrum is from, say, 400 to about 780. Below that, you get into the UV spectrum, which is UVA, UVB, and then UVC. UVC doesn't come from sunlight, 95% UVA. UVC, though, can come from mercury lamps. Problem being, though, that it penetrates skin and eyes, skin cancer potentially, and cataracts. So no one would have said 10 years ago, even with all these contagion fears and contagion movies, let's put this in all those public places and just keep it forever essentially sterilized. Yeah, because you're going to get a, a good amount, a, probably a large amount of cataracts and a decent amount of skin cancers. Well, but some researchers, and this is not small potato entrepreneurial stuff, uh, Dr. David Brenner, physicist out of Columbia University. Did I say Columbia again? Previously, it was named King's College before the revolution. They renamed it to Columbia. Why? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry. No. <clears throat> but... This physicist, Dr. David Brenner, and colleagues, I think, were the first ones to say, well, if we can find a really good wavelength that kills all viruses, bacteria, and, and, and fungi, but it's still penetrating skin, and we used mercury, can we maybe use something else that won't penetrate human skin or eyes, but it'll still kill all these things? So they put literal krypton into these lamps. Yeah. Noble gas. Krypton. Yeah. And when they did that, it moved it from 254 to 222, and it made all the difference in the world. Still kills all the viruses and bacteria, all of them, some of them even quicker than the old, because it also gets absorbed by protein, which is the same reason it can't penetrate skin or eyes, like cannot. Physically cannot, like throwing a cotton ball at a brick wall. They've done it for years now. They super irradiated people. They threw them really hard, but it's the physics of it. No matter what you do, it can't kill it. This has now been produced in conjunction with Columbia University, the DOD, NASA, Air Force, aerospace engineers and others from Boeing, is in the Pentagon, is in multiple Air Force bases, oh, it's is a, in it's, now some bus lines. It's in, it's in use in the Pentagon? Mm-hmm. Bus stations, uh, or bus lines, should I say, one of them in Cleveland, a couple of hospitals, um, and uh, now a bunch of school districts in South Carolina just installed them in over 330 buses. And they were on a recent podcast, or, you know, it was actually a local news station. And they said, yeah, the county down the road said as soon as they installed them in their schools, they saw a dramatic decrease in all their infections and positives, et cetera. Because what it does now, it'll kill well over 99% within the first five minutes of being on without hurting anyone. So at those levels, it's pretty hard to get anybody sick from one another in a time of pandemic. So if you're putting in these places that are being held hostage by the vaccine passports and are seen as as rightly dangerous, you know, this can be nasty, it does kill people. There's no doubt that it can be really nasty. But if you put these lights in, it's worth more than an N95 mask. And there's no more virus or bacteria left with zero harm to humans. It's basically like a glorified smoke detector in these things. They're in mass production. They've got like preferred contractor status with the government, with one of the, the companies. And the only thing that's really keeping it is just basically the public's knowledge. It's got every stamp, every big name institution, 
um, government approval. It's in the Pentagon. And it sounds pretty outlandish. And also from people who have been looking for truth for a long time, it seems like there's got to be a catch. Yeah. You know, like your, your mind is going, okay, hold on. He waited till the end. He never yeah. mentioned this yeah, before even. Yeah. Bill Gates owns the patents or something. No, no, exactly. And they don't. Uh, Far UV Technologies owns the patents on a good chunk of them. There's a few different companies, but they're the one that has done a lot of the work. And I have no affiliation, no financial anything with the technology, their company, anybody. But um, they're the ones who have been plugging it in at some of these places recently in the Pentagon and all that. So we've got safety studies out the wazoo. We got, and this is, you know, even from Oxford, Hopkins, University of Colorado, Boulder, some great people out there all over the place. They've done that. They've done the safety studies and the efficacy studies. It works. It kills coronaviruses particularly easily, really easily, because they're really small and it just basically destroys them. Works way better than the old one, the old 254. And basically you say, well, hold on, back up for a second. You're saying it's that easy. Like in these public places anyway. Now you wouldn't put them in your home because you're not going to follow it around and you need to see some germs, right? We need some natural immunity. But in terms of like a bad pandemic or these monkeys that just, you know, dropped out of the back of a trunk. Truck. We'll get into that in a second. Keep going. Yeah, yeah I mean, come on. Uh, how, how could that ever happen, right? But whatever it is, this should kill all of it. And we know that it kills well, pretty well any of it because it's all viruses and bacteria. It's the physics of it. They're smaller than our cells, so it just destroys them. Some take slightly different dosages and things. That said, it kills them all. And um, you just put those in, and basically, we're effectively done with a lot of this. Now, it takes time to scale all that, but we've been scaling all these other things and the economics of it, it's way cheaper than the portable units. So it's like a third of the cost of those that you put in a room. It has a hyper filter, a big time like hospital grade HEPA filter, plus or minus UV on the inside. The reason why it's in your furnace, people are like, oh, I've heard of UV light. It's in your furnace or in the box and not on you. That The reason is because it's the old 254. That's the reason. So this is entirely different. That makes all the difference in the world, though, because that kills everything in your furnace, everything. Mm-hmm. You could have Ebola in your furnace, somehow got in your air system, and it would kill it. Mm-hmm. There's studies on that, um, not for that particular application, but 254 killing Ebola. But you just don't shine it out everywhere and cleanse the air because it can't be on people continuously. You know, imagine seeing it floating around and saying, I want a light in this restaurant, or in the capital of my state, so we can come in and do self-government, um, or the grocery store, whatever. We want the light to shine all around everybody, so in the air all around them, but not on them. Can you make lights like that? You couldn't do that. Those things don't work together with the old light. The new light can shine safely on people, so you can shine it everywhere, and it is cleansing the air in real time. <laughs> Um, I think the adoption, you know, has been an issue, but I'll, I'll stop for a second no, no. because it's it's a whole big issue. I went and spoke to a group of physicians recently upon this. I've spoken on a few different other podcasts and shows on this in the past and just trying to get the word out, you know, as, uh, as quickly as I can. I'm going to try to get someone from there on. Um, I have some more questions to ask. Can I still steal you for a little more time? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I'm going to run to the restroom real quick. Uh, tell them to where to, or just monologue or tell them where to find you or social media or whatever. I'll be right back. Yeah, sounds great. So, yeah, social media. Um, 
I have a Facebook, which is a little bit hard to find, uh, but you'll see a picture of my family taking a, a portrait with the Milky Way, actual portrait. We didn't Photoshop it. Uh, a little blurry around the edges. Um, but also there's kind of a big um, picture of an arm muscle, basically, that's made up of an aerial view of a bunch of people. So that's what you would see. And um, also on Telegram, I have a channel that I just started, haven't put a lot on, called um, Dr. Aaron's uh, Evidence-Based Reality. I think it might be without the S. Dr. Aaron Evidence-Based Reality um, that you can go to as well. You know, we're dropping, you know, this kind of bomb about the far UV. And again, is it that easy? The answer is yes. Getting it out there to people and getting them to understand it and grasp it is a, is a whole other thing. But I'll, I'll talk a little bit more with Tommy here shortly. But uh, there's a lot of a lot of amazing things out there. Amazing technologies, you know, that you may have learned about already, you know, listening to Tommy's podcast. Um, but there's a lot of amazing things out there. You know, it's not all doom and gloom. And this is one of them because this basically moots slash prevents in, in its uh, technical term any real future pandemics and kind of hard for people to grasp. doesn't mean we won't have a disease, but it's a, it's a big thing. And so if you go to www.faruv, not near, but faruv.com, or also go to Columbia University, Dr. David Brenner, B-R-E-N-N-E-R, you'll find some information. And there's a great 15 slide presentation given to the technology divisions within the military, the DSIAC. But if you look up on, say, DuckDuckGo, for instance, you look up Boeing FAR-UV 222 nanometers. And there you will find this great slideshow um, that explains it really well and goes through some of the studies and how this could be applicable basically everywhere. So, Don't let me be uh, stealing your time, by the way. Because I obviously this is what I get to do for a living, so I can do whatever I want. Um, We're good. I've got some time today, so it's just beautiful. great. So I beautiful. enjoyed talking to you. Beautiful. And as I, you know, as I always say, I always like to do an hour because that's around the time my brain cuts out, no matter who I'm talking to. But this is now our second episode where I'm like, "Fuck the hour. We're gonna keep doing this." So, so with this, and I'm definitely gonna actually let me make a note of that right now. Far, far UV. I am gonna try to find someone on there to come onto my podcast um so with that right it makes sense you wouldn't want it all the time everywhere because you do you, you want we want an immune system right just like you don't wasn't that siddhartha Gautama buddha didn't his wasn't his dad like a really rich guy a lot of people don't know this his dad was actually like loaded and like a king yeah and he like he like raised him inside of like this like Walden compound and he had all these like hookers and like money and wealth and everything. He didn't want him to feel any pain ever. But in the reality, he became so attenuated to nothing but pleasure. Anything other than that was pain. And that's what actually led to his whole kind of asceticism and suffering. Kind of like that, right? You don't want to nuke your environment. It's good to, you know, like backwash is good. It's good to go to the gym and touch a dumbbell and, you know, you know, maybe not sanitize right away. You bite a fingernail, right? That's you kind of get that going. But what it would be useful for is where you, where you maybe do want it nuked, like an international airport or, you know, a Superdome where you're going to have 100,000 people go to, uh, right, the Super Bowl or something. It's possible there, yeah. Right? So, yeah, you, you wouldn't want it everywhere, but you would want it in those spots 
where they're kind of demanding vaccine mandates. Do you think kind of the perfect that, fit. Yeah. Do you think that's where it would where it would be used? And when when did when did this when did this start? Is it just now kind of getting traction and that's why I haven't heard of it or Well, the reasons that people haven't heard of it. I think number 1 is just it doesn't have a whole lot of reach, number one. So even for like physicians, and we're not really trained in physics-based stuff. You may have taken a little bit of physics in undergrad, like you may have, you know, when you're going through your journey. Um, But you really don't focus much on that. Maybe it had a passing mention, you know, UV light to kill microbes in, you know, microbiology class. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, there's not really anything. So number one, most people haven't heard of it. Then the second reaction for most people, because I met one person in my life who actually knew what I was talking about, but I've met many who said, oh yeah, I know what that is. Literally only one actually knew it was far UV krypton lighting, 222 nanometers makes all the difference. So, but those people who then do hear about it, they're like, oh, I already know what that is. And they stop listening. And then they think it's the thing that they had in their little box or even that we had in the ORs. So there's little robots that will run around in the ORs, shine their lights, but everybody has to bail out of the ORs, close all the blinds so the light can't escape in the hallway. Cause again, 254 mercury Mm. penetrates skin and eyes. So they're like, oh, we know what this is. And they stop listening. So nobody takes it any farther. Then even if they do listen long enough, then the next round of people fall off. is that there must be a catch. There must be something. There's some reason that the CDC and all these people don't, you know, they haven't said anything about it. There must be a reason why. And, you know, being an administrator, I won't even hold it against Fauci for having one email out of his 3,400 actually related to far UV. One out of 3,400. That said, you can't hold them responsible. They should have been looking out for anything and everything, let alone if it's being put into military installations in the Pentagon. And they're working jointly on this and rave reviews from the people within the military about how well it's working. You know, people go into a crowded room, no one else gets sick. They were sitting in there and then got really sick later. Nobody gets sick. And they have all this, um, you know, that group of people will say, you know, surely there's still some reason. There must be a catch. They would have told us, right? And so if you can get past that, then you actually get to the people who are like, okay, how do we get this put in? Now, they think that there'll be a lot of resistance, but, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot you could say on that as well. Yeah, well, it, that kind of comes back to that whole like psychological operation. Like, if ivermectin hydroxychloroquine was so good, how come Fauci hasn't told me? And it's like, well, he's kind of in, directly involved with the profits of these major corporations, you know, whatever. <clears throat> so that would be a thing, though, right? And the more you do it, you'd have economies of scale. I mean, man, you could even, you really want to twist it, you could pull it into like some Green New Deal stuff, right? We got to install these lights everywhere. Jobs. It's just- it just got put in with the help of some representatives in South Carolina at those schools. So there was some government backing because it was apparently like kind of an, um, you know, an underserved um, sort of area. And, you know, and then they were talking also about, you know, not having their kids spread it amongst themselves in the buses and the schools and then taking it home to their, to their ill family members that don't necessarily have, you know, great medical care. And so you've got, you know, some push from different places on this. And I don't think this has been suppressed. You know, I've been asked it before, do you think this has been suppressed? They said, no, not like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. And I think it's because it flies under the radar. Yeah. Really. It stayed where it stayed. <clears throat> and when you try to take it 
to academic institutions, I can imagine what would happen. They're all going to kind of go, that sounds really good, but no one else is doing it. I'm not going to go here. I'm not going to put it in my pediatric bone marrow transplant unit. I'm not going to do this because, yeah, I mean, UV light, that causes skin cancer. Yeah. There's a whole lot of people that just have just a blanket. And you're like, no, no, that's why this works because it literally can't, you know, throw the cotton ball against the brick yeah. wall for another hundred years. doesn't matter. They nuke skin cancer prone mics. <laughs> mice, excuse me. They didn't nuke them. I shouldn't use that word because it makes it sound like it does anything bad. They, they put them under the lamps at high, um, like kind of a high power, so to speak, eight hours a day, five days a week for 60 weeks straight, <laughs> not a blemish in anything. They did it to humans. They did it to humans at these really high levels. Nothing. It doesn't do anything to them. But you have these trying to get it to the institutions and bring it down. And every time, even the few times they've gotten some publicity in different places that I've seen, and I found it in March 2020, I went, whoa, this could be amazing. But they didn't have as much studies then. I looked back in the fall um, and I saw like, wow, I could actually find this easier. And there's this far UV company, far UV technologies and I look down and I see all the emblems, emblems for awards and, and partnerships with DOD and all those things I mentioned. I went, whoa, okay, it's getting somewhere. Now they've got these studies too. Um, but yeah, the, the people have a hard time accepting it and it's not going to funnel through. And oh, sorry, forgive me. That's what I was going to say. When they did get some press in like a local news station, they almost always crossed it up with the old UVC, yeah. the old mercury-based and just said, yeah, well, more studies are needed. Like, no, you've already proven it. It's you did the, the physics studies. of it. Yeah, you did There's the more studies. than enough. It's well beyond anything you need to study. And it's so much more well studied and predictable by, uh, you know, light years compared to, you know, the mRNA injections. You know, we have tons of unknowns still. Regardless of what you think about them or what's happened so far, you can't make any um, declarations about long term when we haven't used it long term. Yeah. You know, because there's so many unpredictables um, versus something that's physics based that we already have the physics yeah. of it and we've tested it to make sure that the physics indeed work that way. You've got it. Yeah. Yeah. The mRNA, regardless of like World Economic Forum and like Pfizer, I mean, just very simply, it's just it's, it's still new. It's just what it is. But there's also things, you know, like. uh Every once in a while, like the universe does throw you like a little gem, right? Like a penicillin. We're not really a good example because I'm allergic to penicillin. I'm like one of the few idiots, right? But like there are, things do come along like penicillin or like autoclaving or like ethanol where it's like, no, it really is just like you're pretty, you're good, man. You're like you're good. You know, like it works. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, these things do happen, though, where. Yeah, I mean, man, if you took, if you did that, and then kind of like you know isolating those actually you know at risk, like elderly individuals or maybe immunocompromised mm-hmm. individuals, would be like, yeah, well, maybe they do want those in their homes. You know, like me, I, I you know it's probably good for me to still be in. Con- I'm 31, I'm relatively healthy. It's good for me to still mm-hmm. be in contact with all these services, right? Just build up that immune mm-hmm. system. But you know, something like nursing homes, like Cuomo's genocide or all these mm-hmm. hospitals, that's where you'd want to, or again, the airports were, you know, the big problems of oh, this is how it stopped the spread. That's where you'd want it, right? Absolutely. Airports, airplanes, buses, you know, the bus stops, subways, um, you know, supermarkets, 
restaurants, um, hospitals. And, you know, think of what you could do, too. I mean, there's been so much of an emotional toll in so many ways, which is part of what's, you know, got people, you know, seeking and wanting an answer. You know, they want a solution, right? And when there's only one solution that's, you know, publicly acceptable in most spheres um, and being, you know, mockingbird everywhere, they think it's, you know, the, the vaxes. Um, but this, you put it into those ICU rooms. Now you can go in and see your family. And there's also decreased incidence of hospital acquired infections as well. Mm. Let's say your family just member just went in with a heart attack during these, you know, troubling times and you can't even go in and see them because of COVID protocols and yada, yada. Now, all of a sudden you can go in safely. Mm. Pediatric bone marrow transplant units, all these things. And the cost savings is so much far beyond what you would spend on them. So like one of the 11 foot ceiling fixtures and one that you can do across the, the top of the room, basically. And they kind of work like flashlights. You just can't see the light. All you see is a little like purple glow, but it, cause it's an invisible light, right? So always hard to conceptualize invisible microbes in the air being killed by an invisible light, right? Sounds so, outlandish. Sounds like a good snake oil salesman. Yeah, I know you can't see it, but. <laughs> it's, it's kryptonite for bugs. <laughs> I promise. Yeah. But yeah, it literally is though. Yeah. But, um, you know, you got to throw the pun in, but you know, on a, on the serious note, if you put it in these places, you're talking about connecting people again, you're talking about unmasking people again, because even at the lower levels before they approved higher safety levels with some of these international agencies, the safety level doesn't matter. The unit used to be 23. It was, you know, millijoules per centimeter square, but either way, 23, they moved it up to 415. The power of it now is so much greater. It was already worth an N95 for everyone in the room wearing it down here at 23. Okay. They have studies showing that. So the protection that you're getting opens up these places. It brings us together again. We don't have so many speech impediments from our kids all being masked up, all this, so whether they did or didn't work, they're being used and they're definitely working for that. Pandemic, so it doesn't matter what roles in those public places they're not going to spread very far or very fast. Yeah. The only way you could really transmit is either sharing like finger foods, potentially that you don't really expose much to the lights and or sharing like intimacy in some regard. Otherwise, like in a normal public place, you're in the, um, you know, you're in the terminal waiting to get on your flight. Nothing. Yeah. Less chemicals because now, you know, it can't go through caked up stuff because that's part of the thing. It can't penetrate very far. But as long as you don't have like syrup or things, you know, caked up, you don't have to use as many of these wipes and other things, all these toxic chemicals. It's not that you still don't have, you know, normal cleaning practices. That said, you might not need to put the super toxic stuff on continually onto every single surface. If the light is also hitting it, cleaning it with something reasonable and mild, that light is eventually then going to get it. Yeah. And they do tests to see the fluency, basically the overall dose over a period of time that you would get in those spaces and on those surfaces. So whether it's they use it for food preparation areas. So the old UVC they use there um, and, and things like that. You could do all of this in those spaces too. It works for all of it. You know, they even used it in the ORs, the old kind in the ORs. And they did studies. They're like, yeah, if you put it on in the OR, you get less surgical infections, which those surgical infections can be huge and devastating to the yeah. patients. Yeah. And cause two or three more operations in terms of a total knee joint, you know, replacement, that sort of thing. But the reason they couldn't do it is I'm sure the practicality of having all of the people suited up and gowned up in the room to protect them and also oh, the no. goggles to protect them from the 254. Yeah. It's just untenable. Yeah. 
But it worked. It's now that we actually have the one that's safe, all of these things are now possible. It's just getting this information to people. And one of the one of my favorite things, you really have to kind of visualize the bugs in the air and pretend they're there to be able to kind of understand it. But one of the things that's most amazing about it is, you know, think of what tool that we use to go after COVID itself via offense. The answer is there's basically none, at least in the air. On surfaces, we wipe them clean, right? Alcohol-based solutions. But there's nothing where we actually go on offense and actually just basically go kill it. And it's a simple weird truth. And, you know, you ask a kid, you're like, hey, there's invisible bugs in the air. Um, you know, what should, what can we do to kill them? I don't know, send invisible laser beams of light and and just kill them. What about the people? Oh, well, it didn't want to hurt people. It just hurt the bugs. Yeah. Sounds so weird and outlandish, but literally this is the tool that you can use to go on offense, kill it all in the air before it gets to you. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what your risk factor is at that point because it never gets to you. So whether or not you use something for prophylaxis or what you treat with or what the FDA did or didn't approve, Fauci did or didn't say we can use, this cuts it off. It's basically hitting more of the root cause. Now it doesn't get, you know, the lab or the bat or wherever it came from, but it gets the root cause in terms of where the infections are happening and being spread within the public that create effectively that pandemic. Yeah, I was going to say, well, we have one, I was going to say, well, you know, how come we don't have it in all the BSL-4 labs? And it's like, well, you know, well, now we're making the wild assumption that, you know, China didn't release it because we were an existential threat to their economic and military growth. That being said, yeah, or maybe, it, maybe you know, screw me, maybe it really does jump from a bat to a pangolin. Like, all right, well, then you still have to have things that can tackle that. Man, if they use it in the Pentagon, that, that, that. That kind of, that's kind of an eye opener to me then because they don't you don't they don't mess around they don't they don't play around you know they, they that's, that's the that's the nerve center of the largest military force in the history of mankind man now let's play devil's advocate mm-hmm. and I'm gonna, please do I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna sound like an idiot dude. Mm-hmm. now no. mercury lighting does that require like a ton of mercury. Um, so it's a good point. Mercury is somewhat toxic to the environment and to people, right? And your brain. I don't know how much it takes, but you're still limited because you can't shine it on the people, right? So you can't, you can like clean a room really effectively after they're gone. But in terms of, you know, passports and also the spread of anything in a pandemic, you're talking about the air in between you real in real time, time in those yeah, public places. Time. So you are, you are limited by that, but the Krypton is actually more environmentally friendly as well. Like it sounds too good to be true, but it's not, it's just actually true. No, it's not too good. You know, you're right. It's not too good to be true. Right. I mean, there's Xenon headlights, right? They're brighter, more energy efficient. And that's a noble gas. As Dr. David Brenner would say, in one of his Ted talks he gave on it. So he's got, he gave a great Ted talk and then he went through like kind of a question and answer in another Ted talk. And again, I don't speak for any of these people. I don't. I've never even spoken to Dr. David Brenner. I'm going to make a note of him um, right now. Sorry, I keep talking. Oh no, no. Um, but in any case, he basically said it's taking a physics-based approach to this rather than a drugs-based approach. So there's no variance that you can get from killing it. It doesn't know how to mutate off of this. Yeah. And there's actually technical things I can get into. But basically, there's not really repair mechanisms that don't get broken up by the 222 because it also breaks up the proteins that would be the repair mechanism. Okay. And it also destroys the outer coats because a lot of times 
they're encapsulated within protein. So say coronavirus, for instance, has like a protein nucleocapsid, it basically destroys it too. So not only does it like take the DNA and RNA and basically melt some of it and then get the gears turned around on themselves to where now it can't replicate, it also melts them into the outside and or just destroys them all together. So you can't really even get variants either, which is... Yeah, that's kind of that holy grail, right? Because otherwise that's how you drive these super infectious antibiotic resistant viruses and strains of just bacteria, I suppose. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah right. It's like uh, like World War One. they had all the different artillery pieces, all the different howitzers, field guns. You could almost say there's like a variant to that because, uh, I mean, whatever his face was mm. and then all quiet on the Western front. We'll talk about how you could tell different shells coming by the whistle. You could tell different oh. guns, the different staccato bursts in a way that's sort of driving a variant. You're like, mm-hmm. Oh, this is a big one. This is a big one versus like, eh, it's just a little pot shot. You can't do that with a nuclear weapon. The plane's so mm-hmm. high up, you don't see it. It bursts over the city with the power of the sun, hotter than the sun. That's kind of what this is sounding like. It's that Holy grail. If we're not going after a spike protein, we're not even going after, you know, the nuclear capsid. We're vaporizing it. We're just oh. we're just going full Hiroshima. You're spot on. And you know, it's it it's again, it, it kind of sounds too good to be true for, for most people out there listening. But these are readily available. It's not far away because it's gotten the approval, you know, essentially, I mean, that company has uh, preferred vendor status with the government. They've put it in Air Force bases, the Pentagon, et cetera, and they can mass produce them. You know, they can at least make 10,000 of them, I believe. I heard them say on a, on a Unicorn Hunter show, uh, which was basically a spinoff of Shark Tank. They were like the opening episode, apparently, and looking for companies that were just going to blow up, and um, which they will um, as soon as people actually understand actually how simple this is. Um, but there's not really any barriers. Basically, you call up and or go to their website, send them an email with kind of the specs of the room because, you know, you're, you're signing these flashlights, right? So you need to cover the spaces. So the geometry of the spaces factors in, so they can turn around a quote within potentially even days. And then by the time, you know, a few weeks or so is up, hopefully it'll take longer because they're going to get way busier soon. And and if they've gotten some, you know, they, I think they're gaining more traction uh, every day from the outside. It seems like anyway, but uh, then people can have them in within a month or so in these spaces. So whether it's your school, whether that's your restaurant, and then you put a sticker outside and it says, you know, you're protected by far UV. Yeah, yeah. UV this is better than an N95. It's better than a passport. It's better than a fourth booster or whatever you want to say. Yeah. This kills it all with no harm to you whatsoever, no economic, no infighting between, you know, different sides of this debate any of that stuff, it basically, you know, to be really cheesy about it, it literally kind of clears the air between us. No, I mean, um, the man, if, it, they, if they don't, if they don't buy that trademark from you. So, you know, I just, am trying to get, it's literally that easy. Yeah. Once people understand you visualize that ball and seeing light go and blowing it up, which I wish I was a graphic artist. I keep trying to find one, somebody to help me make some of these visuals then we can put it out there and then get that going. I'm going to put something together soon. And I just mentioned, I spoke to a group of doctors um, on this subject recently. I was blessed to be able to do that and have the opportunity. And I'm going to put something together, hopefully sooner than later, just specifically tailored to the school districts, 
right? So we don't have to talk about oranges of COVID, effectiveness of masks. I just want to tell you about this and what it can do for you and your kids and your community. That's it. We'll talk about the physics of it. We'll talk about in simple terms. We'll go on offense versus COVID, always playing defense, always defense, always fear. This time we're just going to go out. COVID has nowhere to hide. It's just going to kill it all. And, you know, later on, if you say, well, we want the kids and, you know, to not live in or be working in such a sterile environment when they're at school anymore, you know, pandemics have passed, whatever, just turn them off. They can last for up to 10 or so years, depending on usage. They can dial it in to only work certain parts of the day um, and they kill everything so quickly. You don't need it on continuously. Yeah. It can blink on for you know four or five seconds, be off for the next 10 and just do that continually and save a lot of that life. So there's so many ways in the economics of it, aside from the shutdowns, the meds, the illnesses, uh, the hospital acquired infections that it would decrease, the surgical site infections that would decrease, all of these things, right? The shutdowns of businesses, all this almost incalculable loss. And even on a normal year, a few years back, all the losses from all the extra flu cases, because it kills the flu too. It kills pink eye stuff. It kills anything. So in those nursing homes, that's also really helpful because they're not having these bad flus that, you know, are killing people there too. I'm going to hopefully have something to put together and I'll even go talk to school boards, you know, remotely. If they're local, I'll even go to them to try to bring this out because they've got COVID money from the government. The government always has more money one way or another, right? <clears throat> exactly. And with such an economic bonus to this, there's really not a downside. And there's lots of questions little questions that people can ask, you know, whether it be about natural immunity, whether it be about um, ozone production, which is like negligible. And mm -hmm. basically if you had it in a closet with no airflow and you sat right underneath it for a long, a long time, maybe that said, that's me off the cuffing, but basically it's not an issue, but basically all of them have been addressed. Really knowledge is the only thing. This had a, a world health organization had a seminar Last I month, thought, on I you were about to say World Economic Forum. I was like, "Get the hell off my podcast!" <laughs> Sorry, keep going. <laughs> I was like, "You." So they had it. They had it last month. They had one of the the well known researchers of UV who's done you know studies on UV killing TB and decreasing the amount of TB. He's been doing it for forty years. Dr. Ed Nardell out of Harvard, and he was on there, and some researchers out of Scotland. Um, they're like physicists and, and physics-based uh, researchers. And I don't know that the World Health Organization, you know, knew exactly what all they were going to get, but it, there's nothing really left on the table. There's no reason not to endorse this. Like, you know, I think, you know, you get in those academic positions and you don't want to make your statements too far. You want to always have evidence, yeah. except when it comes to these vaccines, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, that's a different that, story. But normally that's the way the world works and you don't want to go and promising the moon to people when you've kind of studied it. You're like, you could have reached the moon, just, you know, reaching out your arm, but we haven't quite touched the moon yet. And so I think that's part of the hang up too, sure. um, aside from that cognitive dissonance, but you know, they're all about this technology. Um, again, I guess I can't speak for them, but they seem to be very um, motivated by this technology. Let's say enthused about this technology. Yeah. And there's really nothing left other than people's knowledge and put them in. As soon as you do that, now we're talking a whole different construct of society, right? There's all kinds of other issues. We still have societal issues. We still have, you know, divisions. We still have, you know, potential agendas from groups. We have all that. But this middle ground 
where the fear is installed so big that the people control themselves with the shots and with the passports that they agree to for their fellow people and are okay with them getting towed off to a camp. This now doesn't exist anymore. That whole space there, you know, those monkeys with, uh, what, Ebola or whatever Whatever they had? uh, Anthrax. That's what I was going to say. It doesn't matter anymore. Well, uh, one, I was going to say, I mean, I'm going to reach out to them. And uh, if you can help me with that, you mean, you know, my platform is your platform. I'll definitely do whatever I can to help. I'd love to have them on. Um, I don't know them well, but I could give you a contact information. I think that that they have. Please do after this. And uh, number two, real quick, and uh, we'll wrap this up in like 10 minutes. The monkeys. Let's 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 hold on. Let's wrap. Yeah. So (laughs) I said this the other day. I did a podcast on Sunday. Does this not sound like what I said was it sounds like 18 months or maybe two years into like the invasion of Afghanistan where it's like we've kind of like hammered the shit out of the Taliban and Al Qaeda. And it's like, oh, boy, we kind of I guess we're you know, we haven't got bin Laden yet, but we're getting all the number twos and number threes and al Zarqawi and all that stuff. And OK, it looks like we did. It looks like we avenged 9-11. And it's like you can almost kind of tell like, wait, wait hold on. We spun up the military industrial complex and all of a sudden it's like. Iraq needs free trade. WMDs. And everyone's like, wait, 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 hold on. And it's like Saddam's got to go and 18 years in there. And then they get all the, that juicy trillions. Doesn't this kind of feel like that? Like, oh, the mandates are falling. The the narrative is crumbling. Malone, McCullough, Desmet. I mean, they're going on Rogan, Stu Peters, on Tim Pool, on Lex Friedman, on Peterson, on Tim Dillon. Uh, no mandate that I said no mandates in the U or getting rid of the mask mandates in the UK and the Czech Republic. And it's, oh, all right. And they got this March on uh, Washington. You got those uh, Project Veritas with those DARPA papers. Doesn't it kind of feel like monkeys? We, we got to do this. We already spun this up. We've got these, the, <laughs> the, the, these stock prices aren't going to rise themselves. Monkeys, and they've got, and they escaped. And the monkeys escaped. And actually, before we even started this episode, one of my friends texted me. Apparently, a woman came in contact with one of those monkeys. And they now have her quarantined because she's, she's so she's showing symptoms of something that they don't know what. Doesn't this kind of f- sound like the... Doesn't this sound like the, like the fifth season of a show that should have ended at four? Yeah, very much so. And uh, you can name a couple of... A few different shows, also some movies... But yeah, it's uh, it's gotten old, you know. Release the murder hornets. Yeah. Release the release the monkeys. And, and if these monkeys theoretically had anthrax, and I haven't looked into it a lot, but I did hear a little bit about that woman. But if you have them, these monkeys, for study, right? We've not already had to worry enough about these bio labs, right? Um, so it defies all logic from the start. But let's say you are thinking that there's a legitimate reason to move these monkeys around. How are you going to have it? And something that easily tumps over and out of a truck, all of a sudden, a hundred of them, and they all release at the same time. That makes zero logical sense that you would ever craft something. And if indeed, you know, they did craft that and they didn't realize that was a problem and or intentional, we need totally new people to transport the monkeys and or design the entire program from the start. If they didn't realize the importance of even if that truck tipped over, the monkeys should not be released. It's insane. It's those trains they designed in the 50s 
for for transporting spent nuclear nuclear fuel rods. You can find the old it's like early color video where it's like oversaturated oversaturated and like the narrator, the voice is kind of crackly, but like you can find these old videos where I mean their specifications were insane in the 50s and it was like we can't do all this nuclear fuel nuclear power plants unless we have a way to be able to transport this we got to bring it out to wherever the waste site is yucca mountain but you can go find these videos of these these special train cars they'd made the specifications were insane even the ones that they were going to put on like uh, 18 wheelers not even on trains they had to be able to survive they had to be able to be stuck on tracks blindsided by like a locomotive like crushed into a pit and then they had to survive like four hours at like 1800 degrees Fahrenheit. And then they go over there with the, the, whatever the Geiger counters and there was no Mm -hmm. background radiation. These things were to be impenetrable because we knew how lethal this stuff was. But the monkeys are just in like a Keystone cop, like, you know, the bank, the bank truck tips over like, Oh no. And the big bags with the money sign on them come out and the monkeys are. Yeah. And all the crates open simultaneously in the right direction. And yeah. Yeah. It's pretty ludicrous. If people can step back out of the matrix for a second, you know, you don't have to think real hard on some of these things. You just have to really just step out of the group think and you go, that just couldn't happen in a normal world. That's not right. Maybe, maybe it's an inside guy. Maybe who's like maybe there's an inside guy that's like I'm gonna red pill some people. <laughs> Who knows? I'm, I'm gonna be, you're gonna call if you didn't call it on COVID, you're gonna call it on the monkeys in the tipped yeah. over truck. Sounds like a scene out of The Simpsons. Yeah, and was there was there a correlate to one of those movies, uh, Contagion or Outbreak or something, where a hundred or was it even a movie called A Hundred Monkeys or something to that effect? Uh, I remember. Do you recall? I remember Contagion. No, I remember Contagion. Yeah. There was something about monkeys in one of the outbreak movies, uh, outbreak style movies, pandemic t- style movies. Yeah. So, so I've heard. So, yeah. why are they even be a- being transferred? Why are they even? Aren't we? Haven't we learned our lesson from the Wuhan lab? Like, again, implying that it wasn't intentional. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it makes no sense on its face. And it, the more people just you know take some time to just go, why do we do this? Why, why do they keep studying it when we just had this last one? So even if it didn't even release, even if it came from, you know, a bat and a pangolin, that good, that great John Stewart um, that he did. No, a a bat fucked a pangolin or it was the fucking chocolate factory. (laughs) Yep, exactly. The cocoa bean and the shovel. The cocoa bean Uh, and the, no. Or where's, it's in Hershey, Pennsylvania. It flew into the clo- Or it's the fucking chocolate factory. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it just, we just step back for two seconds and, and we think about it. You go, this is not normal. We need to question our reality a little. And uh, it doesn't take long to get there. It really doesn't take long to get there. It's just... A little too uncomfortable, but at least there's some levity to it occasionally. Yeah. You get somebody like John Stewart or, yeah. or you or somebody, you know, putting a fun spin on it. But even if, regardless <laughs> where it came from, you'd say, well, how about we just take our chances with nature? And if it's going to be eight years until the next like, thing develops. Or a hundred or. Let's not test them like on our soil or hell on anybody's soil. Yeah. Because that would be the thing. Because we did, we weren't really ahead of it this time. So Not you can't say that all this gain of function research really got us someplace, right? Did it? No. Yeah. 
And so if you use that logic that the whole reason, that, was you know, the feigned reason that they were doing it was to help before it happened, well, you failed. You failed big time. So, um, yeah, there's no logical reason for them to even have the monkeys to be transporting, to let her, you know, theoretically even think about testing again. We, we need to move past all of it, but it's going to take, you know, mass awakening to really get people to go in mass. You have to stop those. Like yeah. that doesn't happen anymore. All of you people that are in charge of this insanity and you didn't, you know, make it safe like the trains toting, you know, the atomic waste. Yeah. You did something like you said, like Keystone Cups. Yeah. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Let this happen. Yeah. We need a whole new management structure. Yeah. And it's time to get out and we're going to watch it and make sure it happens. We're going to get our head out of our sports, you know, a little bit. Mm -hmm. I love sports, but we have to take the time to get out of the circus, you know, bread and circus stuff to actually like affect the world around us and make this a better world for, you know, for our kids. And it starts with just a simple question. How did those monkeys happen? <laughs> just, yeah. Why are we, you don't light skyscrapers on fire to test them against fires. Like we don't, we don't do that. We're not like, Hey, well, the reason we demolished New York is because we blew up a nuke, but we wanted to see if, if the containment feature could with, withhold the nuclear. No, no, no. Run that on a computer. We're running out in Nevada. You don't. Yeah, man. But you know what? If that truck had just had some UV lights in it. <laughs> At least would have uh, gotten anything on the surface. <laughs> the, the air later is a different story, but, but yeah, exactly. The UV lights, I'm telling you, you know, it's, um, it is kind of an end to the pandemic if people actually know and put it in and it's not out of reach. You know, you want to, you want to find something where you make a difference. Yeah. You learn about it. You know, they can even reach out to me. Um, you know, again, I don't speak for the company, but sure. I can help answer questions um, I can relay stuff I've seen in these webinars with all of these experts who've been studying it um, at length for many years and um, and also direct you to where you get them and, and more information. Um, you know, you can go put things together. Um, you know, I even have some stuff on my Facebook now, you know, um, regarding it. Uh, some short interviews and things that, that I was blessed to be able to do. And they can take those and start you know, talking to their school board. They can start saying, hey, how about we actually just, instead of like killing our children slowly or quickly and, you know, killing their spirit, uh, how about we just kill the virus instead? Yeah. Just kill the virus and you, and you can do it. <laughs> a bat flew into a pink. <laughs> I completely <laughs> forgot about that. No, <laughs> by the coronavirus <laughs> lab in Wuhan. And nothing's better <laughs> than Colbert. Just squirming. We're going to break now. Th that that's getting rid of the dislike button. That's the zero views on the five thousand retweets. The red the red pills floweth. It'll happen. Yep. It'll you know, happen. and is it is it? They have to do more extreme things. It looks more ridiculous by the day. Like the monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> like the monkeys. Yeah. You can't make it up, really. Yeah. Right. You it's, just can't. But but we'll get there. And even if they're you know even if you talk about waves of terror. Uh -huh. In terms of totalitarian control, yeah. you know, is it uh, uh, Abraham Mirlu? But Mirlu, M E E R L O. Yeah, uh, calm him down, freak him out, calm him down. Even if we're on that, we're still, a lot of people are waking up. And when you realize that's a playbook, potentially um, and likely I, I, in the evidence mm -hmm. that I've seen, then you don't have to still ride that roller coaster. Yeah. You don't have to fall for it. And you can work to 
negate it and cut it off at the next turn. And if it's pandemics that keep driving us in a place, you put lights into the public places where the pandemics are spreading. Now we're in a whole different ball game, a whole different, maybe not a return to normal because we don't necessarily want the return to full normal, right? Yeah, no, normal no, no. was asleep. That's what got us here. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. we'll have that time and a lot less fear to be able to actually then break free and, you know, revise our systems if just revision is necessary or peacefully, all peacefully create new systems, yeah. you know, that we'd like to use better and that benefit the people more Yeah, on all sides of political spectrums. Yeah. Uh, yeah, shout out uh, Quantico FBI, shout out Fort Meade, NSA, peacefully. We're talking about peace and love, UV lights, that's it, and uh, nothing else. But no, no, yeah, but seriously. And um, yeah, man, I think it'll work. I think it's accelerating. And But we get what we deserve. So as long as we keep pushing it, then there's nothing to complain about. As long as we keep doing our part, that's all we can do, right? Absolutely. And even when liberal moms will come and ask me to speak to their school board, on this, I know that's something that can cross all the lines, no matter what you believe about any of it. If you believe it gets killed in the air before it gets to you, your children, your loved ones, your friends, none of the rest of it matters. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter whether ivermectin's horse paste yeah. or a real yeah. Nobel Prize winning drug, yeah. right? It, it all is pretty well moot if you just kill it before it gets to me. So, yeah. you know, I have faith and I have faith in, in people and that most people are good and that eventually, you know, there's a lot of intelligent people and we've all been you know, deceived in many respects, but, you know, your efforts and, and all the other truth tellers efforts is, is getting there. And, you know, we feel it more, we see it more and, you know, God willing, we'll turn this around sooner than later. And I think, I think now is going to be an optimal time when hopefully these mask mandates provided, okay, let's forget about the monkeys. Say that doesn't turn into something, doesn't turn into World War III, but the monkeys and Ukraine. Yeah. Jesus. If they're pulling this stuff back um, or it's just fading off for Omicron or whatever, We've hopefully got a, a period of reprieve that we can use to now go on offense versus the virus, you know, and also to just work on taking back our systems and returning them to sanity yeah. and things that were, you know, actually not just return the power to the people, but actually just do good for people. Because yeah. that's ultimately what you want. That's why you sacrifice what you sacrifice. That's why you take the licks and the shots and the broken relationships yeah. that you have is is to help people. So yeah. thanks for, for doing that. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on here, man. Yeah, it's pretty simple. You just do the right thing. You know what I always say that. You know what it is. You know what it is. You you know what the right thing is. You don't have to teach someone to, hey, get ready. You know what gravity is. You know what the right thing is. And if you need help, just start watching the podcast and you'll find the little strings to the conspiracy holes. And within a month, you'll be screaming about, you know, uh, uh, whoever the senator was that Aldrich, who owned the train car that brought him all to the Jekyll. It's a whole thing. Read into it. Gold standard's important, uh, not the monkeys. Those are bad. Dr. Williams, thank you so much for coming on here, man. I will send you the link when it's up. I've got two podcasts prior to this that I got to edit and upload, so it'll probably be way later tonight. Um, No worries. Yeah, man. And let's uh, let's definitely try to get some UV guys on here, and uh, we'd love to do it again sometime. All right. Appreciate it, Tommy. It's always great. Hell yeah, buddy. God bless. God bless America. Stay safe out there, guys. Recording stopped. Chocolate Factory.